Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. It is debate night in America. The first Republican primary debate for president of the United States. Need that nomination, baby. Um, But there's one thing that's missing from tonight's debate. The overwhelming favorite. Yes. uh, Donald Trump, whose polling is still skyrocketing through the roof, up 60% in some polls. So he's decided to say, screw it. I'm not going to be on the stage with a bunch of people who aren't at my level. So he's doing an interview with Tucker Carlson. Now, just a few minutes ago, Tucker Carlson dropped this video on his social media. So if you're wondering what to expect tonight, here you go. On Sunday, Donald Trump announced that he will not participate in tonight's Republican candidates debate hosted by Fox News in Milwaukee. Whatever you think of Trump, he is, as of tonight, the indisputable far and away frontrunner in the Republican race. We think voters have an interest in hearing what he thinks. So when Trump approached us about having a conversation for a far larger audience than he'd receive on cable news, we (laughs) happily accepted. That interview will air tonight in this space at 8.55. We hope you'll watch. So that was Tucker Ah. Carlson, a little teaser for what to expect tonight at 8.55, five minutes before the start of the debate. And uh, the next morning, Donald Trump turning himself in Fulton County on those indictments, uh, completely negating any sort of uh, coverage of the GOP debates, right? Right. Allison, get that clip from Mark Lauder ready, because Mark Lauder is a longtime political uh, campaign strategist, worked with Mike Pence for a number of years here in Indiana. He thinks the same that we all do. This is the Trumpiest thing he could do, which is why he did it. And But the brilliance of it is not just because he's going to take away the attention from the other candidates. He's actually going to deny them oxygen. There's no way they're going to, whether they get in a good zinger or make a good point or somebody stumbles, immediately come Thursday morning, it's all going to be about Trump in Fulton County and moving on. So there's no way any of them are going to catch any kind of momentum because he's just going to take away the oxygen again. Yeah, that's what we were saying yesterday. And, by the way, uh, I think it's a win for the Democrats, too, because there's going to be a lot of Democrat Biden bashing tonight on that stage. And they're going to make some awfully good points about Biden and his disaster of an administration. But all anybody's going to be talking about Thursday is Trump, whether or not he gets the mugshot. Does he do the perp walk? Right. So here's what I want to see tonight. At 8.55, like Tucker just mentioned, I want to see him go live. Not a pre-recorded video. I want to see him and Donald Trump go live, and they're outside the debate hall. <laughs> and then they yeah. walk in, and they sit in the balcony, and they just heckle the entire debate <laughs> like those two old Muppets in the Muppet Show. And they're throwing popcorn, and Trump, boo! He's booing Chris Christie. You hear Tucker doing that high-pitched laugh. ha <laughs> ha! 
<laughs> like, I want to hear that for the entire two hours. Aren't you, aren't you a little disappointed, though, like personally, that Trump's going to be? I'm going to miss him. Oh, yeah. On, on the stage. You know, those debates in 2015, 2016 were amazing. So for those who are upset that you're not going to get Donald Trump on the debate stage tonight, yeah. let's take a trip down memory lane with a Sarah McLaughlin style <laughs> tribute. You call women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account. Only Rosie several- O'Donnell. <laughs> It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. (laughs) Don't worry about it, little Marco. Gentlemen. (laughs) Gentlemen. This is a tough business to run for president. Oh, I know. You're a tough guy, Jim. (laughs) He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee you. We were getting crank jokes when Donald (laughs) Trump was involved in the debates, and we're being robbed of that tonight. Now, as for the folks that will be at the debate tonight, we've got Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Mike Pence, Asia Hutchinson, and maybe Doug. Because Governor Doug Doug injured himself playing basketball yesterday, had to go to the emergency room. Now, we heard earlier on the news at the top of the hour, he has arrived in Milwaukee, and it sounds like he's going to go full Willis Reed and limp up there and try to give it a go tonight. He might have a crutch, (laughs) but he's anticipated to be on the stage. I don't know exactly what the injury, do we know exactly what the injury is? I mean, like if you break a femur and like, you know, it breaks skin, I don't know if you can go out there or not, but if he's just, you know, high ankle sprain. And what if he's just whacked out of his mind on pain meds? Like he's up there just staring off into the abyss, kind of like what Biden does on the everyday (laughs) basis. He described every one of Biden's press conferences. (laughs) Uh, Larry Elder, he's upset that he was left out. He claims he met the criteria to be on the stage in Milwaukee tonight. Exactly. And he told Glenn Beck that he's contemplating suing the RNC. My lawyer is a former chair of the Federal Elections Commission. Mm-hmm. They 25 years ago put down the rule that sets forth uh, the debate criteria. And they say that the RNC or DNC can set forth their own criteria. Once you do it, you have to follow it and apply it fairly to every single candidate. So they're applying it to eight of them who are going to be up there, not Larry Elder, which means, in my lawyer's view, they're giving them an in-kind contribution of 120 minutes of free airtime, and if you look at the cost of airtime on Fox News, multiply it times eight. That means that that the RNC could be facing Glenn a fine of up to one hundred million dollars for giving an in-kind contribution, and Fox News could also face a fine of one hundred million dollars by the FEC for giving an in-kind contribution. I love the spirit. I love the fighting spirit of Larry Elder, but. Fox News is not going to be paying $100 million no. to Larry Elder's campaign. It's they, just not they, going to happen. It just, just paid about $800 million to a Dominion <laughs> voting <laughs> machines. They're not in the habit of giving away any more money. So the question I have for those listening right now, is tonight a must-win 
for DeSantis. You don't have Donald Trump there. The big bad orange man is not there to interrupt you or to call you meatball or DeSantis or anything like that. Is tonight the night that Ron DeSantis has to dominate the field? Yeah, you got to control the room, man. You got to do what you have to do. You have to stay on point, stay on policy. And we know what his strategy was because it got leaked out. Have Donald Trump's back and bash Ramaswamy. Now, that ABC News article leaked out that said Ramaswamy is really only in this thing to screw over DeSantis. Yeah, right. So there's going to be a little bad blood there. And I admit, I'm all in. I want this thing to be a train wreck. I want a blank show. I want somebody to get called fat. I want the crowd to <laughs> boo. I want somebody to almost throw down. That is what I'm looking for tonight. Now, Nudge. wait a minute. Who on that stage would be called fat? <laughs> Let me think. Well, it ain't Nikki Haley. Let me just narrow it down there. Uh, we've got the bingo card out there. So if you're somebody yeah. that's watching the debate tonight, because you've got options. you got the Tucker-Trump thing, or you could watch the debate. If you want to watch the debate and you need a little extra reason to make it worth your time, the bingo card that we created is now posted at WIBC.com. You can also find it on the Hammer and Nigel Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, for those of you that like to pour a beverage or two or nine during these types of things, how about this little drinking game? It's the Republican Party debate drinking game. Watch the debate and have a sip when you hear popular GOP words or phrases. Like when you hear the word MAGA. Drink. Anytime someone mentions Hunter Biden. Drink. And take some crack. Drink when you hear the phrase voter fraud. Then spend the next three years claiming your drink wasn't counted. Accuse others of drinking twice and allege that dead people have been drinking. Get debate drunk on the alcoholic beverage of your choice. Except Bud Light. Anytime there's a mention of a large pants red cap wearing fellow who's conspicuously absent from the stage. Drink till you're orange in the face. When Ron DeSantis says woke, 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 drink, 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 drink. Watch tonight's debate and drink because it's the only thing that will get you through it. The Republican Party debate drinking game sponsored by Disney. Nope, drink. <laughs> Unfortunately, I will not be imbibing tonight. I have a, a early morning physical at the doctor, my yearly. Got the labs, the blood drawn. Okay. So I'm trying to be good for but at least you, one night. You will be covering the Trump and yes. uh, Tucker I'd, I'd, thing I'd, tonight I'd, for I'd, our Twitter. I'd rather watch that than I think the, the debate. So you can fill me in tomorrow. Okay. So we've got you covered here between Kendall, Casey, Tony Katz, Nige, and myself. We're going to be live tweeting this thing tonight. Uh, Rob M. Kendall on Twitter, Casey Daniels 317. Tony Katz and the Hammer and Nigel account. Nigel's on Trump Watch. I'll do the debate. We're live tweeting. Please get the bingo cards out, get the drinks out, and get involved in the conversa conversation we got going tonight. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Hammer and Nigel Show. 
Real quick, remember when that coup tried to happen in Russia, Nige? Remember the leader of the Wagner Group? Prashogin? Yeah. He's dead now. Uh, yeah. Uh, died in a plane crash in Air Russia. quotes. Plane crash. <laughs> oh, I'm sure man. Putin had nothing to do with it. There's an old expression. You come at the king, you best not miss. Right. And uh, yeah, that's wild. Um, we're talking about the debate tonight. We're talking about Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump tonight. Allison, give me a little mood music. Hey, wait, don't make me watch debates. I guarantee that it only will ruin our night. Hey, wait, why do they start so late? And why doesn't the sound guy just cut off his mind? Nine o'clock start tonight, Nige. You're going to be able to make it up that late? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be fine. Let's go to the phones. What are you looking forward to? First and foremost, Drake. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Drake, what are you looking forward to, my man? Hey, Drake. What's going on, fam? I'm looking forward to actually hearing uh, the the debate tonight, and I'm looking forward to Ron DeSantis. I want him to make his case. That's what I'm looking for most out of everybody. Does he have to absolutely blow everybody away, Drake, for him to have a chance in your mind? No, not really. But I am also looking forward to hopefully uh, Biggie to be called fat. That's going to make my day, too. (laughs) Okay, thank you (laughs) very much. Uh, Will, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show, Will. Uh, What are you watching tonight? What has your interest? Well, I'll be voting for Trump regardless, but I just want to see who's going to go in day one, take all of Joe's executive orders, wrinkle them up and throw them in the garbage pail. And then, uh, best part, hopefully, whatever's going to put that old codger behind bars. Got it. Thank you. You know, that's going to be an interesting dynamic if you're watching the debate tonight. Obviously, they're going to talk about the economy. I'm sure the border is going to come up, probably funding with Ukraine. Uh, But the Department of Justice, that is a big topic that I think a lot of people are interested in and they want to hear about. Weaponization of the DOJ, of course. Mark, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show, Mark. Uh, What has your interest tonight? Well, guys, I'm hoping that somebody tells Mike Pence that the best thing that ever happened to him was Trump picking him as president or a vice president because it got him out the hell out of the state of Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mark. (laughs) You know, there are some folks in this debate tonight that, let's be honest, there's a better chance of me becoming the president of the United States. Does Pence fall into that category? I mean, it wasn't that long ago he was the vice president. It just seems like that's forever I, I ago, just, man. I can't rule anybody out at this point because we all saw what happened with Donald Trump, 1% in the polling uh, going into 2015 after his announcement, and the guy wound up blowing everybody away. So I'm not going to count anybody out at this. I, I, don't, I think it's safe to assume it, it's probably not going to be Pence, but I'm not counting him out 100%. The question that I have is, does the RNC need to strengthen up the criteria, beef up the criteria to be on the stage? Because I get it. You know, there's freedom of speech and everybody deserves to have their voice heard. Right. But if you're polling at one Two percent, and you've been polling that way forever. Does anybody really want to hear from you? Who is you know freaking out tonight because Asia Hutchinson's going to get <laughs> his opportunity to speak? Who's tuning in for Governor Doug? Right, uh, Angelo. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show, Angelo. What does your evening look like tonight? What has your interest? 
Well, I'll be watching DVR football games, but I hope they all do good except Christie and Pence. And one other thing, I hope that when uh, President Trump goes and pays that $200,000, I hope he pays it in unrolled pennies. (laughs) Thank you, Angelo. Can you imagine him just going up there, just dropping the big bag of pennies up there? Uh, Derek, you are next up on the Hammer and Nigel show. What do you want to hear tonight? Hey, guys, you guys rock. Two things. I want to see Chris Christie sweat and gravy because <laughs> we all know that that's going to be the only fat guy on the stage oh, then yeah. I'm going to switch back over to watch Trump announce that Tucker Carlson is going to be his vice president could you oh, imagine wow. well that, that's a tinfoil hat look at I've that ever, let's go let's I've ever go. heard one by the way uh, Chris Christie sweating is on the bingo card okay. for tonight it is one of the squares on the bingo card uh, what happens if Doug doesn't make it Governor Doug because of his basketball injury then you a- get a free another free space what was what was that space for him he only had one space right he reminds you who he is (laughs) doug reminds you who he actually is i'm the governor of north dakota oh you're not christy gnome you're (laughs) doug Doug. okay uh dan welcome to the hammer and nigel show dan what has your attention tonight i'm looking for calls for extreme revenge against the swamp Ah, uh, you want some revenge against the swamp? Well, there's some dudes up there that might have a problem with that. There may be some swamp monsters up there. Some would argue Pence, a little swampy. Chris Christie, maybe a little swampy. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley maybe a little swampy. Uh, Blake, we're going to give you the last word here. Blake, what has your attention tonight? Well, I thought I was going to watch the debate, but if if what I want comes true, I really want Trump and Tucker Carlson to do one of those stupid TikTok react videos. <laughs> and we want their reaction. I would appreciate that. I would love like a Manning yeah. cast of Trump and Tucker tonight watching the debate. Yeah. But the, 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 the interview's already been taped, by the way. And I'm so, sure that the legal yeah. team at Fox <laughs> sure. would have a, a thing to say about Tucker, including Fox and anything he does on social media. So keep the conversation going on social media at Hammer and Nigel. You got options tonight. What are you looking for? The Hammer and Nigel Show. Can I meet Debbie Downer here for just a second? I Hammer... I feel like we're talking about these debates, all these candidates, they have great policies, most of them anyway. Donald Trump, on with Tucker. But I I think, you know, looking down the road, big picture, here's what's going to happen. Donald Trump's going to run away with the Republican nomination. We're going to get to the general election. Um, there's probably going to be some COVID shenanigans going on again. Who knows? And then it's going to be Joe Biden. That's my very pessimistic outlook. This is all sort of anticlimactic, uh, if you think about it in those terms. Am I am I wrong here? There are people that are staunchly uh, supporting Donald Trump and truly believe he can beat Joe Biden. But Democrats are doing all they can. I mean, you hear this COVID stuff creeping out. That's the one thing they have in their back pocket, in their playbook, that worked for them during the 2020 election. I was talking about this with my family last night. My youngest asked, what do you think is going to happen if mask mandates from businesses and schools start to come down again? 
And man, I don't know what would happen because I know there's a lot of people that will not, absolutely will not comply this time around that complied last time. And maybe you'll see some sort of violence. I don't know. I hope that's not the case. But the last time around, knowing what we know, how this type of stuff, masking, lockdowns, affected our kids, affected health and growth, and knowing now that the masks didn't really work. Those little cloth masks that you bought for your kids that have got cartoon characters or your favorite sports team on them, (laughs) you bought them from China and they never worked. And for people to try to get you to go back to doing that again, or even making you get vaccinated. Because again, what good was the vaccine if you were somebody that was young and relatively healthy? It didn't stop you from getting it. It didn't stop you from spreading it. And yet they're going to force that again. Now, we're projecting here. We don't know if that's the case or not, but we're already hearing the rumblings and grumblings. It's awfully early to play the COVID card at this point. I mean, we got a whole another year to go, basically. Right. And we have, we've got another school year. We've got another summer to go through and they're they're playing this covid card awfully early fauci's been mouthing off a lot of people have been mouthing off fauci will never come back i don't think there's any possible way that uh dr fauci will ever make his appearance on television telling us what to do ever again well he was at some university speaking i heard that i heard the clip i think tony played the clip oh well yeah he'll speak at a university because he's a whore for money and he's (laughs) always been just an absolute whore for money that's what this whole thing was i mean you play a game of follow the money look who the people were that got the most wealthy during the lockdowns the big pharma folks obviously and then why did dr fauci add a couple zeros to that bank account how about uh, how about a former fda guy uh under trump scott gottlieb who was a big perpetual uh perpetuator of covid fear porn um was on cnn the other day he's now on the board of pfizer <laughs> I mean, nothing to see here. Of course. Please of course. disperse. Nothing to see here. And it was refreshing to hear like, Curtis Hill, who's running for governor of Indiana, come out and say, hey, I'm not about that. And we're going to have Mike Braun on this program on Monday, and we're going to ask him where he's at in regards to required masking and more. All right, let's go to the drivecubler.com hotline and bring on the RNC national spokeswoman, Madison Jessiato Gilbert. Madison, it's a big night tonight. How are you? We are super excited. The energy is very real here on the ground. It's been a wild day, and everyone's getting ready for tonight. Uh, I cannot wait to see what our candidates have to say. Are you in Milwaukee right now? I am in Milwaukee. That's correct. What's the vibe of the city right now? Because on one hand, yes, it's the first debate. It's always the most exciting when that first one happens. But on the other hand, the main front runner is not there. The guy leading the field in polling by large amounts is not there. So what's the vibe like in Milwaukee? 
Well, I've known the president for a long time. I wish he would have joined us tonight. I know we definitely wanted him to be here. We hope he'll come to future debates. But the show must go on. And I think what people are most excited to hear tonight is that vision, that Republican vision, which stands in contrast to what the Democrats have shown us and offered for the past two and a half years. And I'm most excited, not just for Republican primary voters that are tuning in, but for Democrats and independents, people whose votes we really need to win next November to be successful, for them to tune in and maybe hear from our candidates or hear our message for the very first time and see that other option of what their life could be like, of what a Republican, prosperous American future could look like. What do you think the Democrats are going to glean from tonight's debates, Madison? What are they looking for? What are they watching for? I know they're going to be in their war room and they're going to be responding. What are what are some key takeaways the Democrats are, are looking for tonight, do you think? recognize and are going to continue to recognize after tonight that they're going to have to be on the defense. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that Joe Biden has been a complete and total failure. Uh, I talked to a lot of Democrats today on the ground in Milwaukee that will not be voting for Joe Biden. Now they're not sure if they're voting for a Republican. They don't know who they're voting for. They don't even know much about the Republican Party, but they will not vote for Joe Biden. So I think the Democrats are recognizing that there's a lot more people like that than ever before. In every single situation, every single issue, as time goes on, it gets worse and worse for the Democratic Party. So I think they're going to have to be on the defense from now until Election Day. Madison Jessiato Gilbert is our guest. She is the RNC national spokeswoman. So, Madison, if the economy is issue number one and the economy is issue two, three and four, what falls in behind the economy in terms of the most important issues that you're hearing Republican voters want to discuss and hear from candidates tonight? You know, I think there's a whole host of issues that people want to hear about, that people are excited to hear what our candidates have to say. Uh, obviously, energy. Obviously, we're talking about schools. Back during COVID, there were so many of us warning about what was going to happen if we kept kids out of schools. Well, now we're seeing the very unfortunate reality of the impact of those decisions with only 31 percent of our age graders that are now reading proficient. We saw a 50-year drop in test scores and math. I mean, these are things that will take decades to come back from. It's very unfortunate. It's very unfair. Um, You know, it's just one of the many issues. People are talking about safety in their city uh, and how Democratic leadership has failed them on that front. So I think it's pretty much one issue after another. And then, of course, obviously related to the economy, taxes. Joe Biden himself promised Americans, hey, listen, if you make under $400,000 a year, I will not raise your taxes. And then he went and raised taxes on people making as little as $25,000 a year. And they're already pretty much being taxed by inflation as it is. So it's super unfair what's going on, and people are pretty mad about it. All right, got a tough one here for you, Madison. I'm not trying to get do a, do a gotcha or anything, but I want to ask you about Larry Elder. He says he's got the uh, – he completed the qualification package to participate, including um, the polling. He's saying the RNC is saying, no, you didn't. We don't like this Rasmussen poll. They have ties to Donald Trump. Do you have any comment on, on a possible lawsuit from Larry Elder? Yeah, so we have no motivation at the RNC to try to keep anybody off the debate stage. We want every single person that qualifies to be up there. We laid out – Uh, what those requirements were all the way back at the beginning of June. They have not changed, and there is no secret. So when it came to the polling requirement, no poll would be counted that was run by a polling company that had a connection to a campaign or a candidate. Uh, And this poll did, and that's the reason why that poll couldn't be counted. Uh, So it was very unfortunate that that happened, but that's the reality, and we have to treat every candidate fairly, just like people who don't sign the pledge can't be up on the stage. Uh, We have to follow and abide by those requirements that we put into place as a party. What what kind of connection did they have to Trump? I I didn't, I guess, Elder, I don't think a lot of people knew that they had some sort of connection to Trump. Do you know what that connection was? 
Yeah, again, we set the requirements out. Larry and everybody else were very aware of the requirements, and that's really all I'm going to say on that one. Madison Gisiato Gilbert with us, RNC National Spokeswoman. All right, so going to the debate tonight, for those watching the debate, can we expect to hear anything about Ukraine? Is that a hot topic from what you're hearing on the ground? Do Republican voters, are they concerned not only about what's happening between Russia and Ukraine, but the insane amount of money that's going to fight this war? It's definitely something that people are talking about now as to whether Martha and Brett will ask about it. I don't know. We have no editorial control. That's something that a lot of people have asked me about today. Hey, have you seen the questions? Do you know what's going to be asked? We will know what's going to be asked at the same time everybody knows when it happens tonight. So we have not been privy to seeing any of those questions. We don't have control over the spin room. That's all Fox News prerogative, Fox News decision. So we're looking forward to hear what they ask about and, of course, how the candidates respond. And I think what will be cool is to see, obviously, each campaign, each candidate is going to have a little bit of a different vision, a different strategy, a different solution to these problems. Again, all of them better than Joe Biden and the Democrat solutions, but each one's going to be a little different. So we look forward to hearing and seeing, and I think that's what's going to make the debate so exciting tonight. So, Madison, at the end of the night, when the debate is done, what is considered a success by the RNC standards? So I think, again, having that vision be heard by people who have maybe never heard from a Republican before, by people who are unhappy with the way things are going, that recognize that our party and our, con- or our you know, the Democratic Party in our country is on the wrong track, but don't know where to go from here. I think a success is every single vote that we end up gaining next November. And, of course, for our candidates to be able to get their messages out there. Madison Jessiato Gilbert, RNC National Spokeswoman. Madison, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon. All right. I hope that was like a subway or a train or something in the something background. crashing in the background there. The Kraken just uh, was released, apparently, <laughs> in Milwaukee. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Hammer right over there. A New Jersey man claims a police officer gave him a traffic ticket in retaliation. Because he gave the cop the finger. Boom, boom, boom. And now, actually, this officer is being investigated. Here is some of the uh, body cam footage that is being reviewed by the police department. What have I been pulled over for? Um, speeding, sir. Uh, what speed was I going? You're going 48. Yeah, I record everything. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. I've uh, had this, the radar running. The radar? 48. Yeah, I was going 30, huh? 48, sir. Can I get your license registration insurance, please? I'll put it right here on the, on the window for you. I gave out all the information I need to give. I'm not giving out my phone number. Any reason why you're so upset, man? I'm not upset. All right. Perhaps when you pull someone over, you probably should do it for a, a good reason, not really something that you're lying about. At some point, Wait, somebody gave him the finger. So I guess at some point in that little... But the cop said he did. He was going 48 and a 30. And the guy in the car was like, no, I was you know, not speeding and I'm not giving you more information. And apparently gave him the one finger, the little salute, if you can, will. Can, you, can a cop give you a ticket, a citation for flipping him off? 
I don't. I mean, I, I would never do it anyway. I mean, the guy's obviously a jerk. Uh, I'm talking about the guy that did the flipping. Right. When's the last time you gave somebody the bird hammer? Oh, I get people the bird every day. <laughs> uh, it's kind of how I say hello to Rob Kendall. <laughs> I was going to figure you'd say your wife, Crystal. <laughs> that too. I mean, she, she probably does it to you more than you do her. Right. Like The amount of time somebody gets flipped off just going room to room in our house. Like I'll be sitting there watching TV and you know Jacob will come walking by to make pizza rolls. Hey, you a-hole! And just flip him off and just kind of waves and goes on his way. It's the way we greet each other in our house. Um, that should be a topic on the show. The next call topic when's the last time you flipped somebody off and why and you actually didn't know the person right like, not a friendly thing in your yeah, house yeah, yeah. like when was the last time you flipped somebody off I, the last time i flipped somebody off was you actually in the parking garage right i think when you were pulling in now if it's road rage type of deal here Again, I've become team thumbs down because I think thumbs down <laughs> hurts their morale more than just getting the finger do you do there's different ways of giving the finger, like different styles, like this style right here. So, like, like the knuckles bent? Yeah, the knuckles are kind of bent, and the thumb is sticking out. Yeah, that's not what I do. I'm a tuck guy. Yeah, okay. I tuck You're, everything. The, all, the, all of them are tucked. Like in a, You make a fist and raise your right. middle finger. I think there's two ways of, like this, the, the, the knuckle bend. Right. And then the full tuck, the full fist. Like maybe my hands are so beat up from playing, you know, football and baseball my whole life, but it kind of hurts to do that knuckle bend thing. Like if I give you a knuckle bend middle finger, I really don't like you. <laughs> you can't do it. I can You're barely. No, it, it hurts. <laughs> like I've had so many broken fingers, and you know, I used to be a catcher. So man, my hands are just beat to hell. I'm a closed fist, everything right. tucked, middle finger raised up. Which style are you? Tweet at us, post on Facebook, at Hammer and Nigel. <laughs> Feel free to send us a picture of you flipping us off. Or, and by, tell us about the last time you flipped somebody off that you didn't know and why. I right. Think that's a good topic. Uh, I saw this was trending on social media, and I didn't know what happened here. Drew Barrymore, the actress, she was rushed off stage during some event at a theater in New York. A guy identifying himself as Chad Michael Busto. Uh, the stalker, yeah. Rushed the stage shouting her name to security guys who were on Drew's yeah. staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, intercepted him and Drew ran off the stage. Right. Take, up. take a listen to this. Sell people. Oh my God. Say, yes. Hi. I'm Chad Michael Busto. You know who I am. I need to see you at some point while I'm here. Okay. okay. <laughs> Where's the psycho music? Her reaction to seeing who it was is actually kind of terrifying because it sounds like this guy's got a history of like stalking Drew Barrymore. Can you play that one more time, Allison? Sell people. Oh my God. Yes. Hi. And then quickly, she tries to turn on the charm yeah. to make sure this guy doesn't freak out. And then, yeah, you know me. I'm Chad Michael Busto. We need, I need to see you immediately. That guy's not psychotic at all in no. any way, shape, or form. You need to see a jail cell <laughs> and a therapist immediately. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock the Hammer IMPD released the body cam footage yesterday afternoon of this police action shooting that took place back in August. They killed 49-year-old Gary Harrell. He was shot in the back as he ran away, but, and it's a big but, he had a fully loaded gun 
in his hand at the time. He was pulled over for driving recklessly, right? Right. And I've shared the video that the IMPD has put out. So if you go to our Twitter, scroll down a couple tweets, because people are still talking about middle fingers. <laughs> but if you scroll down a couple tweets, you will see the YouTube video that was put out by the IMPD. Now, it is somewhat graphic, because you will see a man get shot. But the way that it went down was that Harold exited his vehicle before the officer left his police car. So the officer yeah. pulls him over, you know, like he's behind him. He's still in his cop car. And this lunatic gets out of his car, starts walking toward the officer. Like kind of mouthing and being belligerent. Right. So the officer can be heard on the body cam footage telling this guy, Harold, to not get back in his car. But he does get back in his car. And at that point, and you'll see this on the video if you watch it, because they have a slow-mo replay of it late in the video. The guy grabs a 357 revolver from his glove box. Yeah. So he grabs that, he gets out, and then he starts making a run for it. Still with this 357 revolver in his hand, and we later found out it was fully loaded. So this is the audio of the police video. Again, we've shared it on Twitter at Hammer and Nigel. He put me at three four Parker. What are you doing? The feeling is all over the place. I thought I was going to hit her. I thought I was moving like that. You got your driver's license, Andy? I'm just came off a prison. All right. Hold on. Don't, don't, don't. Come out here and talk with me. Come out here and talk with me. Come out of the second car. Man, stop. What I'm doing. Foot pursuit, eastbound three. Stop it, drop it! Get your number on the south side, bring forth the car, because you is back. 26 showing up. Control item 168, officer involved shooting. Stand by. Medics, it's not secure. And then the medics arrive, and they are trying to treat uh, the gunshot victim, and he ultimately dies uh, later at the hospital. So what critics are saying, they're all over the IMPD, is that you can't, you shouldn't shoot someone who's retreating. But Drayshon Reed was retreating. Remember that scenario? And he still was able to turn around quickly and fire yeah. shots. They, what, what the critics are saying is that the... the, the the IMPD officer should not have chased him, should have taken a defensive posture. Um, and, you know, guess what? You know, the problem with that is if you let him go and he runs around the corner and shoots a kid, then we're all pissed that he didn't shoot the guy when he had the chance. It, I, I swear to God, it, it's it, I don't know how anyone could be a cop these days, man. They are they are constantly consistently in no win scenarios here and you know this family and they are probably grieving of course they're grieving and uh, you know i'm i'm sorry that they the loss of this person's family uh, you know they're going to get a settlement out of this drayshawn reed who shot at an officer got a settlement and that's disgusting and that absolutely makes me sick about the city of indianapolis you reward somebody who tries to murder a police officer and the other thing that makes me sick is that depending on the media outlets uh, that you follow whether it's television or whatever you might see the headline impd officer shoots suspect in the back and that's it yeah. 
But there, like you said earlier, there's a really big but to that. He had a fully loaded 357 revolver, which was recovered at the scene. Well, look, I'm wondering what the protocol is because for police action shootings, because the guy grabbed the gun. You see him grab the gun. I don't know if it was his glove box or he had some sort of holster under the steering wheel, but he reached for that gun. The moment he reaches for that gun and grabs the gun, I think could have been justified immediately pulling the trigger and right. putting the suspect down. The, the moment he has the gun in his hand, um, I'm not talking about running away. This guy would still be alive if he just complied with the officer. I, I, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I really There's don't that expression, it. man, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And it was a traffic violation. This guy, and I don't know if he was whacked out of his mind on drugs or whatever, if he had a warrant, I don't know. But all you had to do was comply. Just sit there and take whatever the officer has to say. Instead, he gets out of his vehicle, kind of charges to the cop's car in a menacing kind of way and then when the officer says just stay here and talk with me give me your driver's license he retreats back to his car grabs his gun yeah. and makes a run for your, it your, your chances of of dying in that scenario uh increase exponentially i, I don't know what that percentage would be 100 110 500 percent and yeah. as you said earlier the disgusting thing is is these people that hate police that try to murder police like in Sean Reed's case they're going to get a settlement from the city because the mayor's office and the joke of a prosecutor in this city they think that's fine you can try to shoot and kill one of our people out there protecting the streets every day and somehow end up with taxpayer money it's so gross and disgusting uh, earlier today Curtis Hill, the former attorney general of Indiana, who's now running to be the governor, called into the Kendall and Casey show. And there's been a lot of chatter lately. We had a story yesterday. There's businesses, Hollywood studios, universities, all going back to mask mandates, kind of giving you that COVID vibe. Because of some new new COVID. I love how the media positions it, too. It's a big, massive COVID mutation. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, viruses mutate. It's, it's not a monster. So, Curtis Hill, who wants to be the governor of Indiana, was asked his, his thoughts on these mandates. Well, we learned a lot about the after, in the aftermath of the 2020 pandemic, and the key takeaway was that government-imposed sanctions are, on our personal liberties do more harm than good, and we need to learn from that. Um, I spent time in 2020 fighting mandates, and the problem that we have is that uh, we are at the uh, we've seen a, a federal government that uh, lied to us about masks, about the effectiveness of masks or the use of masks. And so we have lost the trust of our institutions. Uh, it's imperative that Hoosiers be allowed to exercise freedom in their own uh, uh, medical treatment. Some people might want to wear masks, some people might not. But this concept of, of trying to protect us against something that uh, provides no protection is silly. Thank you. And if you remember, Governor Holcomb, he was trying to lock you up if you didn't have your mask on. And Rob asked Curtis Hill about that earlier today. A mandatory mask uh, 
order was coming from the governor. Uh, he uh, had a press release on I believe, July 22nd, 2020, and I was appalled that uh, we would go that route. And, and as you pointed out, Rob, uh, also made it a was making it a violation, a criminal violation, a class B misdemeanor. And on that same day, we issued a release that said that he did not have the constitutional authority to mask up free Hoosiers, and he absolutely had no ability to to just snap his finger and create a, a criminal violation. And as a result of that, he withdrew from uh, from both of those prospects. So uh, it, it demonstrates that uh, that with logic and the Constitution on your side, you can't stand up to big government overreach. Like what I heard this morning. Absolutely. And again, I want to hear the other candidates running for governor, their thoughts on this, because there are going to be some establishment folks involved here that I don't think they've got the you know what's to come out and say this. Now, Mike Braun, who's running for the governor, he's going to join us on Monday and we're going to talk about this. Um, Curtis Hill says it's not just Eric Holcomb, you can look at everybody inside that Indiana State House if you're upset about what happened during the lockdowns. Well, you know, it, it's sad. We, we we put a lot of uh, we point a lot of fingers at Holcomb, and he deserves them. But we also have to look at, our, at the leadership of our General Assembly. Uh, there weren't a lot of, of, of efforts, in my estimation, to uh, to uh, call in a special session. Uh, part of the re- response that I had to the governor's mask mandate was this. If you, governor, believe that masks should be mandated by law, then call a special session of the General Assembly so they can debate it in public and create a, an, an account, a public accountability standard for these decisions. Um, but we didn't get a whole lot of uh, assistance from the General Assembly. And I think uh, many times you have folks who are, very, who are okay with someone else having the responsibility um, uh, for for the serious decision making, and that's unfortunate because I think our general assembly should have been engaged uh, long before they were, and and even once they became engaged, as you pointed out, we haven't really seen a whole lot of pushback on the policies that that, that allowed for 23 consecutive months of executive order, uh, and and really uh, the government being run by one individual uh, as opposed to the general assembly. I love how Curtis Hill's statement that he released yesterday just completely depanced Governor Holcomb. <laughs> I mean, just a complete dressing down of Holcomb. As Attorney General, Curtis stood in opposition to the mandates being imposed from Washington and Indianapolis and reined in the unchecked power that Governor Holcomb claimed to have had. Quote, in 2020, Holcomb tried to shut down businesses, schools, and churches. He wanted to force residents to wear masks and take away medical autonomy. I stood up to him when most in my party did not. That's a strong, strong message, and that's going to resonate with a lot of voters. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'm going to run some stories by you, Big Nige. At that point, you will go full Judge Judy. You be the judge. (laughs) You tell us if the story is anything or not. Is this anything? This comedian, I'm doing air quotes right there, comedian asked an airline pilot walking into a flight if he'd been drinking and was immediately told why he should never say that. How you doing? Good. Are you the pilot of this flight? Yeah, what's up? You haven't been drinking or anything, have you? You know what? <laughs> I'm joking around. It's no, a I'm joke. not joking. 
It's a joke, sir. I'm not joking. I Relax. Can off right now. Oh my God! You ever heard of a joke? I'm a comedian. Come here. Oh my God! I'm a comedian. It was right. a joke. You don't laugh. Excuse me. I'm very sorry I found it. Okay. And the reason being, you don't do it because that gentleman right there and anybody who else is around now doubts what I do for a living. All right. So I don't go into your work. I understand. It was a don't joke. I didn't Please. mean to offend you. Thank didn't you. mean to offend you. Wow. See what I mean about life. I'm torn here. Yeah, that's something. I mean, this quote-unquote comedian who has his phone in the pilot's face. You've been drinking, have you? I get the pilot's... Uh, um I get his explanation as to why you don't do that. Look, if somebody kind of hears you say that now, everybody in here, what, the pilot's drunk? What right. did you say? It said the pilot's drunk, and then it gets, you know, uh, all the way to the back of the plane, and everybody all of a sudden, yeah, the pilot's drunk. And that's not the way it is. Uh, so this comedian was kind of a D-bag. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, lighten up. Here, here's the thing. Was, was that a lighten up Francis? Was that a half-assed lighten up Francis that you bailed on? Lighten up Francis. But I get it. Man, the last place you need to be doing jokes or shooting YouTube videos with your phone in the air is on an airplane. I'm sorry. That's, you know, you don't say bomb on an airplane. You don't make jokes to the pilot about getting hammered or drinking on an airplane. Just take your seat, you quote-unquote comedian. That there wasn't are, even funny. There's already enough a-holes on the right. airline, right? The people that the minute the plane touches down, they're sitting in the back, but they're standing up getting their luggage. Just wait your turn. Like the airlines, I'm sorry, the airport and the individual airplane that yeah. you're on, it's loaded with just some of the biggest scumbags of society. <laughs> it is. Wait your turn. Don't be standing up right when the plane lands trying to cut people to get off the plane because that's how you get an elbow to the crotch and or to the throat. <laughs> In other airline news, is this anything? An Alaska Airlines jet was damaged after landing in Santa Ana during Tropical Storm Hillary. The landing gear punctured through the plane and the left engine was left leaning on the ground. Here's a clip from oh, some yeah. of the uh, footage I... that a passenger took during the landing. hard landing if you watch this thing um I, I could understand where people were a little scared and if you're landing like in crosswinds sometimes a pilot has to do a thing where he kind of turns the plane sideways yeah. and, then, and then at the last second like you think you're landing sideways on the runway but the, at the last second the plane straightens out and goes like when there's strong crosswinds and and i could understand the guy yeah but, I mean, you're in the middle of a hurricane dude you were able to land at least or what, what was it a tropical storm hillary i guess not a hurricane the worst is, and I've had this happen to me multiple times when in an airplane and you're getting ready to land and you think everything's fine and then you hear the jet engines, you're so close to the ground and then the jet engines rear back, rev back up and you take back off. Oh, that's the worst. The false landing. <laughs> the false landing. has happened a couple different times to me. It sucked. It's scary. The, the, basically, I, from what I remember, the pilot came on and said, hey, sorry, another plane was in our way. <laughs> so, usually, I, and I asked a pilot about that when that happens. He goes, no, w when he takes back off like that, trust me, it's a good thing. 
Right. Because you don't You'll live to yeah. make another landing. Right, then. right, right, right. You'll, you're just going to circle right, back around and do it again. It just means there is there is something impeding your way there. You know who's probably upset about that the most? The jerk that had already stood up in the back of the plane <laughs> to try to cut you exiting. Is this anything? A 50-year-old golf course worker in Arizona has been hospitalized after being stung by nearly 2,000 oh, bees. No. Here are the two golfers who witnessed the attack. We were moving down the fairway. We saw a worker working. He stopped and he started swinging his arms. Didn't pay a lot of attention to it at first. As we went down closer, I started to pick up my ball. All of a sudden, the bees started attacking me. So I, I got my golf cart and started heading back. By the time he turned around, he was completely covered with bees. He probably had a foot of bees on him. I got the F out of there. I hopped on my cart. Screw the worker. <laughs> you think you probably could have fit in three in that? Uh, all right, get on. Yo, come on. Get on. Get on. Get on. Let's go. Um, listen, I this is we've obtained actually the disturbing footage of this guy getting stunned by the bees. It's it's very alarming. And just a warning: if you have kids in the car, this is very difficult to listen to. Oh no! Not the bees! Oh come on! Not the bees! Come on! Oh, no, my You got me on that one. I really thought you had the audio of it, and you got me with the wicker man, Nicholas Cage. The bees! The bees! It's the Hammer and Nigel show. My new Galaxy concrete garage floor is out of this world. You, should have, you literally should have seen my garage floor before Galaxy got a hold of it. It was old, cracked, dirty, and within a day, they came in and as little as a day, turned it into something brand new. It's very easy to clean, four times stronger now. They don't use epoxy, by the way. That's the old stuff the other guys use. This is better. They use polyurea. That's the new premium standard for coatings. And uh, the manufacturer just upgraded the warranty from 15 years to lifetime. Check out their website to see pictures and get a quote, galaxyconcretecoatings.com, or call their office, 751 whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, yeah! Okay, so this is pretty cool. Our next guest wrote a uh, biography about Tucker Carlson. Hammer, you know my affinity for Tucker, right? You know... You are Remember, a super fan. A su- and, uh, you know, the routine every night at my house, I uh, get off the air, come home, put the kids to bed, and pour a stiff glass of Jim Beam and just revel in Tucker for an hour. <laughs> you know? And then they took him off the air, and I was, you know, just wandering aimlessly, alone, muttering to myself in my neighborhood after that. it was Listening uh, to Dust in the Wind. <laughs> So our, our our next guy, I'm a fan of our next guest. He is a journalist. He's a biographer. Chadwick Moore wrote the biography Tucker. He is on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Chadwick, a, uh, a, a pleasure and an honor to have you on. How are you? Hey, thanks. Uh, great to be here. Pleasure to be with you guys. You know, I, I want to get to this breaking news that you kind of had a Fox News whistleblower. You tweeted about this. Has come forward talking about this this ban at the network. For mentioning Tucker Carlson's interview with Trump tonight, I want to get to that, but let's let's start with the book. I want to start at the beginning. Um, I have enjoyed watching your analysis on Tucker over the years. What what was your initial connection with Tucker Carlson? 
Well, it was um, just being on his show. You know, they reached out to me. I was on a regular on the show for basically the entire run. And weirdly, I was a guest on the last episode, which yeah. was April 21st, which, you know, we didn't know was going to be a last episode. Uh, and that's sort of just how I was in his orbit a bit. But, you know, I didn't, you know, personally know him really well uh, until I started working on this book, which was, you know, uh, over a year ago, about a year and a half ago. Uh, and that's when, you know, he really welcomed me into his world and his life and trusted me to tell a story and never asked to see a word of it. Never, you know, was, you know, wanted to read anything or have any sort of editorial control or anything. Uh, and that's sort of how it came about. And did you, so did you pitch him? Did he ask you to do this? How did that work? Did he, was he, in, you know, was he initially like, yeah, good, let's go, let's do this. Or was he like, eh, you know, whatever, I don't want to do this. Like, how did that all? Well, he, <laughs> it's funny. So I approached him. I mean, knowing Tucker, I couldn't ima ever imagine him saying, you know, I really want a book written about me. Yeah. Uh, so my <laughs> publisher, um, uh, you know, approached me and said, we want to do a book on Tucker. We want you to write it. And at first I thought, like, I don't know if he's going to be into that. And I'm on his show. And is that weird? I don't know. And uh, uh, so I called him up. And uh, at first he just said, oh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't read anything ever written about me. And, you know, he, he, and I said, yeah, if you want to do it, it's fine. I just thought I'd ask and then he sort of talked himself into it. And he was like, you know, well, you're a really good writer, and I really like your columns. And he remembered things I'd written, like, years ago, which which was flattering. I didn't know he read my columns. And uh, and then he just said, um, yeah, let's go for it. Why not? You know, uh, you know, let me know when you want to come and hang out and let you know what you need. And that was sort of how it, uh, how it got off the ground. Chadwick Moore is our guest. He's the author of the book Tucker. Uh, we've got the link on our Twitter right now if you want to check out the book, buy the book. Uh, Chadwick, Jason Hammer here. What kind of dude is Tucker when the cameras aren't rolling? Is Tucker the kind of guy you can sit down and talk about a ball game with? I mean, is he all politics all the time? What kind of guy is Tucker Carlson? Uh, he's certainly not all politics all the time, which I think makes him a, a well-rounding and, and, and great person to hang out with. I mean, I loved having conversations with him and you know, he invited me to stay in his home and just hanging around the kitchen talking about, you know, anything and everything. He's someone who, uh, you know, he's hilarious and you can certainly pal around with him and he's very open. And even liberals who meet him in person are forced to admit that they actually like him as a dude, even if they hate, you know, what, what, he, what he thinks and talks about. Um, but even beyond that, you know, just being, uh, you know, a fun, cool guy to hang out with, he's a really kind of deep and thoughtful person and, and I think a very sensitive person and, and he's someone who he's far more preoccupied with bigger questions and more, more interested in bigger questions of faith and family, morality, beauty, spirituality than he is politics per se. And he sees all those things as, as connected to politics. But, you know, he's definitely not one of these people who's just about like point scoring for a team. Uh, he hates uh, sort of uh, blind partisan hacks that just repeat party lines. You know, that's sort of what upsets him more than anything. And uh, he, you know, he's definitely um, uh, can, you know, have conversations about anything, uh, you know, extremely kind of well-read guy. There's not many people in cable, cable news who I think you want to read a biography about, and there's certainly not many I'd want to write one about. But I always knew Tucker was different in that he was, you know, a very interesting three-dimensional person. Chadwick Moore's next project, Don Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> now that I actually might do. <laughs> were you, Chadwick, were you around uh, when when Tucker got taken off the air? 
Yeah, so weirdly, we were basically already done with the book. And that, that week I had my last call scheduled with him to, to do some housekeeping. Uh, and then we ended up, we pushed back the publication of the book. And I interviewed Tucker a couple more times. We added new chapters uh, relating to that and updated everything to make sure it was current. Uh, so it was, you know, super weird timing that yeah. had to happen. Uh, yeah. What, do you know anything about the monologue? Uh, like, I kept on hearing things about this this Ray Epps monologue because this was coming off the heels of Ray Epps testifying in front of Congress about how he's the victim here and everything. Did, did, was that? Do you know anything about what he was going to talk about on that show that night? I do. I, I saw that monologue, really? and uh, I know exactly what he was going to talk about. He was going to talk about uh, – this is a monologue on April 24th, the day his show was taken off the air. He already written it before – they called up and pulled him. Uh, and it was about Ray Epps. It was about January 6th. It was about, you know, in a darkly ironic way, it was about men- members of Congress like AOC uh, calling for him to get taken off the air mm. and, uh, you know, possibly being arrested for misinformation. And then also that night on April 24th, he planned to start uh, previewing his interview with Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund. Uh, and that was also going to air that night. And his show was taken yeah. off the air. And Chadwick he, Moore is with us. And he, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but he actually re-interviewed that, that Capitol Police officer, right? That's, That's right, yeah, yeah, because Fox owns that in initial interview. So Tucker redid the interview and put it on his uh, it's, Twitter it's page. Fascinating, fascinating interview. So what are we hearing about tonight? Now, Donald Trump is having an interview with Tucker Carlson tonight. Uh, Tucker put out this video earlier It said at 8.55 tonight, five minutes before the start of the debate, that's when this interview is going to go live. What are you hearing about what's going on over at Fox? Well, I've got some people who still work at Fox that have uh, anonymous sources of mine. And uh, he said that, you know, executives are, uh, you know, white hot with rage. Uh, They are really (laughs) upset that this is happening. And, um, you know, there's so there's been a. Uh, the memo went out on April 24th that no one is allowed to say Tucker's name on air. You have to pretend he doesn't exist, never existed, was never at the company, totally unpersoned. He ha- who shall not be named. Uh, and so they reiterated today, not only to Fox um, anchors and, and on-air talent, but to any guest who's coming on the show t- today. Uh, you're not allowed to mention Trump on Tucker's show. You're not allowed to talk about it at all. Um, if Trump breaks news during that, that interview tonight, um, Fox News won't cover it because they just are they have to pretend that he doesn't exist do you know have you heard what any of the you know behind the scenes any of the the cable news personalities like gutfeld or jesse waters how they felt about what happened to tucker have you heard anything about that at all well you know gutfeld i i I used to be on gutfeld's show i was kicked off the show and banned um about two hours after we announced the book uh and then gutfeld blocked me on twitter which i thought was really weird yeah you know i kind of have the suspicion that gutfeld uh is team tucker but you know he's also a company man and you know wants to keep his job and toe his his toe line uh so you know i think right after it happened he he mentioned tucker on air once but you know of course hasn't done it again. Uh, the Murdochs have that place on lockdown, and, and from what I understand, morale has not been good for the last four months. It just seems wow. bizarre because there are really important news things happening where Tucker's involved with, like that series of interviews in Iowa yeah. with the candidates and Fox completely ignoring that. I mean, I understand you might have bad blood against a former employee, but you're sacrificing the news cycle for that. That seems very bizarre to me. 
and your own integrity. And, and there are, and, and this is all Fox's own doing. They don't have to do this. There's nothing legal about them talking about Tucker Carlson. And Tucker, you know, did nothing wrong when he was at the network. He was fired for ideological reasons or, or taken off the air. He's still technically an employee. Uh, and uh, so, you know, there, there are plenty of people at Fox who I know that are really good people, um, not management, but the journalists there, and they really care about their work. Uh, and they're the most frustrated because when Tucker breaks news, they can't talk about it, even though it, it has made the news cycle that day. Chadwick Moore wrote the uh, biography. It's called Tucker, available now everywhere. So do you know what, like I've heard, I don't know if it's official or not, that he's starting his own media company and trying to get investors or if he's just going to continue to do the, the Tucker on X thing. Do you know any clue as to what's next for him? Well, they they're they are raising. I mean, that's been reported. The okay. Wall Street Journal and other yep. places that they they are raising money for this this media company, probably a subscriber based company. But Tucker has his um, uh, his hands tied because he's still under contract right. with Fox until December 2024, right after the next election. So, uh, from what I understand, I haven't seen his contract, but Fox failed to include Twitter in their non compete, which I which I think is why he's there right now. At least so he can be doing something, even though he's not getting paid by Twitter. Um, but uh, they're trying to get out of that contract and find ways around it, but Fox doesn't want to let him go. So tell us one more time about the book, Tucker. It's available right now. We've got a link on our Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel. Uh, tell us about the book. Sure. It's, uh, you know, it's his biography, and, and people who've gotten it have been really enjoying it, and, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's great to see, uh, just really learning about who this guy is and where he came from. He's just a fascinating man, you know, even if he wasn't, Tucker Carlson, that name, you know, has, is so loaded these days. He's such a polarizing figure for many. Um, he, it's just a fascinating story about a about a guy uh, and who's had a really interesting life, uh, starting from you know not even his own childhood, but going back to his father's childhood, even like beyond that, hmm. uh, into um, uh, this summer after a show was taken off the air. That's sort of the, the, the time span of the book. Well, Chadwick, let you know, let's. Uh... The next time you call, let's spend less time talking about Tucker and, and get to know you a little bit more. I know you've had a sort of an interesting career as a as a journalist, and you were somewhat canceled back in 2017 or 2018 or whenever it was. You you came out as a conservative, and, <laughs> and that that kind of changed the, the trajectory of your career, did it not? Oh yeah, it absolutely did. I came came out of the closet as a conservative. I used to work in liberal media in liberal print. And uh, yeah, that didn't go over too well. I was very naive. I thought it'd be fine. <laughs> All right, go get the book. Uh, it's called Tucker, the um, the life story of Tucker Carlson, written by Chadwick Moore. You've been great, Chadwick. We're big fans, and uh, come back soon, okay? Oh, thanks, guys. Anytime. All right, it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's one thing I'm curious about in terms of the debate tonight. You've got two people up there on the stage from South Carolina. Uh, the former governor, Nikki Haley, the state's first female governor, which I'm sure she will remind you of that fact tonight. That's on the bingo card. And then, yes, she, Nikki Haley reminds you she's a woman. <laughs> and then Senator Tim Scott is also uh, from South Carolina, very popular there. So I'm wondering if they... Do you, do they target each other? 
A little South Carolina on South Carolina violence tonight. Well, already Nikki Haley is bringing the heat to Vivek Ramaswamy, saying that he doesn't know anything about foreign policy. So whether it's Nikki Haley v. Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley v. Tim Scott, if you're looking for a preview of what that might sound like, we deliver here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show proudly presents Debate Preview. You're a real hooker, and I'm going to slap you in public. (laughs) You have way too much pubic hair. (laughs) You have man boobs. (laughs) You've got a dirty, whorish mouth, is what you have. This has been a Debate Preview from the Hammer and Nigel Show. That's what it's going to sound like with Senator Scott and uh, Ambassador Haley, huh? Correct. That could be tonight. Um, Where are we at with this? Oscar Meyer is giving away hot dog straws. (laughs) Ew! Yeah, I retweeted that earlier. It looks so gross. Remember that viral video last year of the guy at some baseball stadium? He, He takes a plastic straw and puts it in the frankfurter. Right. And makes like a hole all the way through the middle of the hot dog. Like tunnels it out. Yeah, tunnel hollows it out and then puts it in his beer and sips his beer that way. And it was probably one of the grossest things I've ever seen. It doesn't look real masculine either. (laughs) Like, let's be honest. Like, when you see a dude, like, sucking on a hot dog... For his beer, it's not the most masculine look you're in the supposed world. To, you're supposed to eat the hot dog. You're not supposed to suck on the hot dog. And uh, beers are supposed to be drank without a, a straw, straw. Yeah. Let alone a hot dog straw. Maybe unless you're a Bud Light drinker. Right? <laughs> this is the official straw for your Bud Light. But uh, if you're somebody that wants to have a wiener type <laughs> straw you can reach out to the folks at oscar meyer uh go to oscarmeyer.com slash hot dog straw and uh yeah i'll be taking a hard pass yeah, no on thanks. that one Hammer. whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Republican presidential primary debate. The first of many to come tonight. I can't think of anybody better to break it down for us than Raven Harrison. She's a political strategist and a former congressional candidate, author of the book Raven's Mantle, Fighting the Betrayal of America. Raven, how are you? I'm doing great. It's been a busy day. We yeah, like it. It's be- the Super Bowl for GOP. That's right. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, and we'll drill down into some of the individual candidates, but from your big picture view as a political strategist, what are you looking for tonight from these candidates? Well, they've, you've had it described a few ways, and I think them saying that these are the vice president tryouts <laughs> is probably the best I've seen so far. I see what you're going to see basically is the posturing's already begun, and really right now this is kind of Donald Trump's show, whether he's going to be there or not. So what you're going to see is this is second place uh, for DeSantis to lose. He typically has not been a good debater. 
uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is strong. He's crept up into the second spot without many people realizing. And then you've got the other ones, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, uh, you know, all of the other ones that are Chris Christie, Mike Pence, who are now just going to try to carve something out for themselves that's resonating with the voters. Raven Jason Hammer here, and I agree with you. It feels like this is the race for second place. But second place could be really important here because the elephant in the room is the legal situation with Donald Trump. In the event something squirrely happens with Donald Trump and he's not allowed to run or he's locked up or something like that, second place could be very important here, right? Well, it could be, and Hammer, that's a really good point that you make, but here's the kicker. There's always a kicker. Here's the kicker, is that if Donald Trump is not successful in fighting off this legal uh, turmoil, if the Democrats are successful in being able to remove him, prevent him from running again, which means they are selecting who is allowed to be able to run for this office, then none of the platforms you hear in second place are going to matter. If we don't get this straightened out, if we don't Mm. reset the controls and the checks and balances on this office, it is not up to Pelosi and Biden and the DOJ to decide who we allowed who we are allowed to elect. And this is where we're in danger. So any of the ones are going to have to take a stand on this or they'll never see the Oval Office. Raven Harrison, here's our guest, political strategist, talking about the GOP primary uh, debates tonight. As a political strategist, what would your advice have been to Donald Trump? Should he be in this debate tonight or um, sit this one out and do the Tucker interview instead? Absolutely not. I think as his strategist, it would be absolutely no advantage to Donald Trump being at this debate. The target is already on his back. He is lapping the field. And what it will be essential to do is to see how many of these people can carve out a niche without using Donald Trump. So I'm actually going to be keeping a scorecard. We're not going to put any alcohol with it because I wouldn't be able to do my job. (laughs) They mention, you know, Trump, how many times each candidate mentions President Trump in this debate. I hope it's minimalist because that's what the American people want to see. They don't want to see another version of Trump. They want to see what you'll do. So hopefully, and I think Vivek Ramaswamy has done the best of kind of distancing himself from all of the situations surrounding President Trump and trying to carve his own way, which is probably reflective of why he's doing so much better in the polls. Raven, should the GOP make the criteria for getting into these things a little tougher? I mean, let's be honest here. With all due respect to Asia Hutchinson and Doug Burgum and people like that, nobody around the country is really wanting to hear from somebody polling around 1% or 2%. Should they tighten the screws a little bit make that stage a little bit smaller so we hear more from DeSantis or Tim Scott or Ramaswamy? Well, that's you could, but that's essentially another layer of, of kind of censorship, of them deciding, you know, who makes the cut. And it really takes us further away from that. It really is we the people. We decide. Yeah. And this is kind of like in the America where, you know, in the Reagan doctrine, everybody, he's an actor. He'll never. And Reagan turned out to be the gold standard. He had a balanced budget. Last time, California had a balanced budget and the great communicator. So I think we want to be careful of not letting the establishment and the elites decide what those parameters are. It takes the power away from we the people. But I guarantee you that the the process of self-selection, the Darwinism will be alive and well in this debate of the ones who basically have nothing. You know, the crickets will be overwhelming. 
Raven, this is almost a, just kind of an easy, uh, dumb question, but does our former governor here in Indiana, Mike Pence, have a pathway at all, do you see, in any way, shape, or form? I do not. I feel like at this point, um, what he's probably doing is just fine for, you know, what's left of his political career. But he's he's really on both sides of a double edged sword. And I don't think he's playing either very well. So he's either going to have to, you know, you were part of the Trump era or you're not a part of the Trump era and either alienates both sides. So I don't see his path. It's not going to be, you know, his argument has been, well, I stood up for the Constitution and, you know, that's not been met very favorably. So he's on the outs with the Trump supporters and the Democrats don't want him. So he's going to have to figure out how he carves this forward and having to kind of tap dance on both sides of that fence. Raven Harrison with us, political strategist. So, Raven, we talked a little bit about Donald Trump earlier and the legal situation he's in. One of the things that I hear a lot, one of the things that I see on social media is that Donald Trump is the favorite runaway favorite to win the Republican nomination, but there are concerns that he can't win the general, that somebody else may be on the Republican side who can't beat him in the primary might have a better chance of winning the general election because so many people just have it in their minds, orange man bad from the last couple of years. Do you buy that? No, I don't, because, you know, I I get a lot of input from a lot of different sources. And I'm telling you, that's what the Democrats want to put out there, because they are desperate. This is what all this legal trouble. I mean, they had literally had the Georgia indictment was out before it had even been voted on. I mean, that is that is clear cut. It reduces any shrap of credibility. The Democrats have that this is a legitimate case that they are bringing, they are obviously desperate to stop him, and that has caught the attention of the moderates and the swings. So what I would say is, you know, the people that I'm hearing from, the polls that I see, people have got their tents ready to go vote for him in jail. If he's in jail, they're going to bring the ballot to the jailhouse to vote for him. So this strategy of, you know, of assuming he's going to be tangled up in this legal, everything they've thrown at him so far has been has been a swing and a miss. And uh, so I would not, I definitely, if I was on the left, would not anticipate that's going to be a winning strategy. So I think that it's making him stronger. It's He's raising a ton of money and he's got all eyes on him. So they're inadvertently giving him all the press he could ever handle. <laughs> yeah, what do you think of that as a strategy? He decides Trump decides to turn himself in the morning after the GOP primary debates. Nobody's going to be talking about it Thursday morning. Correct. And I mean, it's everything he's been doing, you know, I have said this since the beginning that trust, uh, that Trump is a master chess player. I mean, he is playing 5D chess and everybody seems to be playing checkers. He seems to be one step ahead of it. And the RNC right now, I think Ronna McDaniel has said that, oh, I don't think that this is going to affect the debate at all. I said, then you're not paying attention because he's got, you know, he's got that tape with Tucker. That was already a pre-recorded interview. He can release that anytime he wants to. So he is masterfully and skillfully playing this to maximum advantage and you know just kudos to him for making lemonade out of you know the barrage of lemons being thrown at him but i just i I caution the candidates to not take the clickbait you have got to carve out how you are different and not fall into this 
you know, attacking Trump because the Democrats are doing it. It's not working. So it won't it won't have any different result if the candidates engage in that as well. Raven Harrison, political strategist, the uh, I guess the number two guy behind Trump, some would say, is Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. What happened to his campaign, do you think? Did he go wrong somewhere? Why is he so I mean, you mentioned um, he hasn't run a very strong campaign. He's not a strong debater. What does he need to do tonight? I think that this is pretty much dead in the water uh, with DeSantis. And I say that because it came out, you know, to even come out, there were rumblings. I was telling people he was going to run or like, he's just thinking about it. He's just raising money just in case, just in case what, in case he accidentally becomes president. (laughs) I said, so this was a plan, but this was seen as very disloyal. Trump came out and said, you know, he needed my help. I helped him. And now he's not willing to wait his turn. And a lot of Trump supporters echoed that sentiment of why couldn't he just wait four years till Trump's term was over. So he had that against him. And then he came out with a horrible messaging strategy, which is he compared himself to Trump and then attacked Trump. Hmm. That is a horrible strategy to come out with. And the, the, the donors and the constituents agree. They don't want a filtered, watered down Trump. If they want Trump, then they want Trump ultra, <laughs> not Trump light. Right. So that's what I think he went wrong in terms of and then trying to correct the new Twitter strategy. That was a debacle of announcing on on Twitter. Uh, So I think everything has kind of gone wrong. And now it's going to be up to him to do something he traditionally has not been good at, which is debate. Raven, last thing here before we let you go. If one of these folks on the debate stage tonight just has an awful night and the polling shows that they've actually lost ground, is that game over? Is that it for one of these candidates tonight if they have that type of night? Typically, I would say absolutely. And in a lot of cases, it should be. But I think with this legal cloud that surrounds President Trump, they just can't resist. I don't think anybody with all of these legal issues surrounding President Trump, however unlikely, is willing to walk away from that opportunity. So, But they are all also vying for heir apparent. And that would be less likely for uh, Christie, Pence, and DeSantis. So it'll be interesting to see the strategy from Scott and Haley and Ramaswamy. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, is going to do tonight. His whole thing was coming after Trump, and Trump's not even there. What's Chris Christie's (laughs) function at this debate tonight. <laughs> well, hopefully he can get something successful because it's not, he says Trump's afraid of you. He's not afraid of you. He's afraid of your policies. You know, so I would just say, yeah, he he's doing the, the schoolyard bully thing of trying to taunt Trump. And, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's easier to taunt when you're the one who's leading the field by double digits. So it's just not even, it's not even you know, hilarious, funny. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's childish at best. Uh, Raven Harrison is a political strategist. Uh, where can more people find uh, you at in your social media? And if, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to be covering the debates tonight. I am. I'm going to be blasting off. But if you can, you can find me on ravenharrison.com and on social media at raven underscore tx warrior. We're going to be breaking it down. I'm going to be giving the signature sizzle. Awesome, Raven. We love yeah, having you on, morning. and we'll talk to you uh, here in a couple of weeks for an update. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Tenderloins, euchre, basketball, Indiana stuff. Did you see this prank hammer? It's got like 21 million views of these kids selling beer out on Monument Circle. <laughs> Have you seen this? They wrote about it in the Indy Star, and uh, and it's gotten. Uh, I don't know who these guys are. If they're local. 
They have some YouTube page called MindSquare YouTube or something like that, MindSquire. And so the premise was this 14-year-old little boy was out on the circle selling 0% alcohol-free Heineken beer. So but he was just the, positioning it as yeah. free beer. Yeah, free beer. And so it got the t- attention of the cops. And the the video kind of really made it look like the cops were harassing them. Uh, one of the other guys that was involved, one of these YouTubers that was kind of running the show, got a $200 citation, had to go to court and pay another $175 in fines. But it's getting a lot of attention. I thought the kid, I thought the YouTuber was kind of a jerk, actually. I thought he was kind of a snotty to the IMPD guys. Most um, YouTubers tend to be that way, <laughs> like, right? Like I, the ones that go super viral, anyway. Like the guy was just like, "Look, you can't be out here doing this." And and the guy was, he would say the cop was being rude and being a jerk. I didn't see it that way at all. Um, so the police officer thought this was a 14 year old kid selling. I'm sorry, giving away free beer. Selling, uh, selling it for two dollars. Two dollars, two dollars okay. a pop, and then they would show various people walking by. Nobody wanted to buy any beer. It's not an original idea, by the way. Oh no, this no. was. I mean, the the Andy Milanakis bit back from the was it the Man Show? Right before Jimmy Kimmel became a puppet of the left, <laughs> yeah. he was doing bits like that with Adam Carolla on the Old Man Show. That's right, and the, the that bit is much funnier. It's much more. Uh, yeah, enjoyable than than what these guys did, but you know whatever. Kudos to them; they're getting a lot of attention. They got what they wanted, plus a two hundred dollar citation appearance in court. Lieutenant Shane Foley of the IMPD quote: "Doing something with the intent to draw the attention of the police." will likely draw the attention of the police. <laughs> you don't say. Okay, well, you could look that up on your own. I, 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 the Again, it's what was it called? Mind Square? YouTube Mind page? Squire. Mind Squire. Okay. On YouTube. And again, just a total ripoff of what the man show did back in the day. Uh, do we have time for the story from Michigan? How much time do we have left here? Uh, about three or four minutes before oh, the perfect. news. Dateline, Michigan. Michigan man has filed a $75,000 lawsuit against Olive Garden. Oh, no. After he found something in his soup. What he found was a severed rat's foot. Oh! <laughs> You're going to make me. Are you going to make me puke again for the second day in a row? Thomas Howie says he was eating minestrone soup oh. at the Olive Garden when he felt a sharp pain in his mouth. He spit out what he had in his mouth and found the source of his pain, quote, a furry clawed rat's foot. <laughs> he says, quote, it was so gross and disgusting I couldn't control myself. My stomach just heaved. I threw up right in the restaurant. <laughs> A statement from the Olive Garden, quote, we have no reason to believe there's any validity to this claim. Oh, so they're saying it's a bunch of BS. This guy's working him. How would you feel if the Olive Garden put out a statement that said, that kind of thing happens at the Waffle House, but not here. Not here Here's at the, the Olive Garden. Best part of this story, when this guy complained, the waiter turned around and said, huh, that's funny. We don't put meat in our minestrone. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I'm believing this one or not. I mean, I mean, 
Would you know a severed rat's foot if you saw it? I mean, it's pretty easy to identify if you saw it in your soup, right? I don't want to find out. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think this guy's going to get $75,000 for it. I mean, if he was served, though, like, let's just for argument's sake say something happened in the kitchen. One of the Olive Garden chefs was out smoking a fatty, wasn't paying attention, (laughs) comes back in, serves you minestrone with a severed rat's foot. Without sounding like one of these infomercials, I believe you are entitled to compensation. That's so gross. Quote, a furry, clawed rat's foot. Stop, you're going to make me puke. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. He is an investigative reporter for the Daily Signal, and soon you'll be able to hear him every weeknight here at 93 WIBC. Tony Kennett joins us. Tony, I know everybody's talking about the debate and what Donald Trump's going to do tonight, and we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit, but you just got back from Hawaii, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone with us. Your reporting, your videos, what I saw on social media was really eye-opening. Great work, my friend. I really appreciate that because, uh, quite honestly, I don't really consider myself to be some kind of mainline reporter style journalist. Uh, It's not what I went to school for. And uh, really, the the people on the island were fantastic. It was a privilege to get to go and really showcase what it is that they were doing. But I will say the bar was really low because the other outlets, I mean, CNN journalists were getting uh, arrested and threatened with arrest for trespassing. Wow. Washington Post journalists were getting flipped off some places that they went. Uh, So, I mean, really all we had to do was show up and not embarrass ourselves. And uh, I like to think that we did so because the stories we got to tell uh, were ones that you certainly weren't hearing from any other outlet. Right. And I want to definitely dive into those here in just a moment because that's really the important thing. But I'm fascinated because you say that the reporters from some of these liberal outlets are being flipped off. We saw the video yesterday of a crowd chanting F Joe Biden as he was walking around. Hawaii is a very blue state. It's a heavy blue. What is going on there? Okay, I'm going to push back on this because I'm tired of seeing these social media comments saying, well, Hawaii deserves this because they voted for Biden and all this other stuff. And it's, it's people that are angry because of the Democrat administration. I understand that. Hawaii voted like 70-30 and in some and in a lot of zones, 65-35. And that's still very heavily blue, but that still leaves 35 percent who didn't vote for that. It's a sizable member of the population. And a lot of those people are angry. But I tell you what, guys, I sat in a pub yesterday. At least I think it was yesterday. I'm not too sure now. Um, when President Biden was, uh, I guess, two days ago, when he was giving his comments to the people of Maui, and he gave that line about how this was just like the time that he almost lost his 67 Corvette in a house fire. There was a man <laughs> sitting next to me at the bar who was a blue collar, had used to work in a factory in Detroit, had lived in Maui now for like 15 years. 
he picked his chair up off of the ground in anger and then kind of looked around the room and sat it down and then started saying a mix of, of English curse words. I'm assuming Hawaiian curse words that I don't know and I didn't understand. <laughs> to the right of me was a former teacher and a longtime NEA member of the National Education Association, that teacher's union. She was so angry. She said, I'm never voting for him again. I voted for him twice. She's like, screw, I'll vote for Trump. Like that. Imagine a Democrat looking at you. That's how insulted these people were that he would dare say that. So, yeah, he's lost the blue in Hawaii. He's lost the red. They are very upset at the lack of leadership shown in the White House. Okay, what kind? Okay, so you said that they were angry. The residents there are angry. Obviously, they're angry. That they lost all their belongings, that that parts of uh, Maui and the outer towns there are decimated, are completely um, gone. But who are they angry at? Is there somebody particular? The the federal response? What kind of response from FEMA um, did you see going on there? So they're angry at basically officials at all locals and levels uh, above like your basic police officers. So local police officers and even a lot of local National Guard have been fantastic. But uh, officials above that, those ordering things around all the way from the county uh, mayor as well as the the person that he appointed to be the uh, management response person who was his chief of staff for seven years, got that job as a cushy job, chose not to activate the warning system. They're angry at him. They're angry at FEMA, who, by the way, I don't care what Governor Josh Green said. They didn't show up for four days. And you say, well, that's normal for disaster response. Pearl Harbor is minutes away from Lahaina in Maui. So, no, they can see the island that that houses Pearl Harbor in the U.S. Pacific Fleet, which has a ton of fire boats, by the way. And we've had fire boats on station ever since Pearl Harbor. So, and I mean the, the Pearl Harbor in, in 1945 event. Yeah, so, but so, so the governor has to request that, though. They can't just show up, and the governor never did, or... Okay, first of all, that's that, that's not necessarily true. They can show up. The chiefs of staff can order. Like, if there's oh, okay. a fire on, so there, there's this, so I guess 20 years ago there was a fire uh, on the other side of the Ohio River across from Louisville, and I can't remember if it was in in Jeffersonville or Clarksville, uh, but fire. Fire teams from Louisville drove over the bridges to Indiana to help put the fire out. It's not illegal to go help another state from a federal perspective. But basically, there was no communication. No one knew what was going on, except for the locals who were getting in, like, rowboats, bass boats, little tiny boats that really aren't ocean-worthy, and are going back and forth between the islands on not super safe journeys, trucking in supplies, food, formula, diapers, uh, emergency things like blankets, purified water, uh, survival equipment, because this entire area, this very densely packed town on the west end of Maui was destroyed. I mean, it melted cars on the street. Mm. And that happens when you have these major wildfire windstorms. Tony Kennett joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Let's keep it with FEMA because, again, this is a government agency, which is fancy talk for it's funded by tax dollars. You're telling me, based on your reporting that I've seen on social media, they're staying at $1,000 a night hotel resorts in Hawaii? I mean, there are some other options they could stay at, but they're staying at $1,000 a night resorts? 
So we actually went to the parking garages and confirmed it. So there were, uh, to, to mark federal vehicles, um, which were rented, you know, just like the vehicle that we rented, uh, they would mark in the top right corner of the windshield on the front and back in yellow paint marker, either NG for National Guard or FED for Fed. And all of the Fed vehicles were in the $1,000-a-night hotels, like the Grand Wailea, who, by the way, ended up pushing out locals who were staying there, who ended up sleeping on the floors of their friends and, and family and wow. basically complete strangers. And we confirmed that with a survivor who was denied FEMA coverage. Um, so there's that. Number two, the National Guard was staying at places like the West End, which is much cheaper. So we're putting all of the federal officials in the most expensive place. We're saying, screw you to the National Guard guys station there. You can stay in the crap hotels on the other side of the island. And then if you're a local who just lost everything, sorry about you. You're just going to have to sleep on the floor. And that is the FEMA response. And, and there's, there's a lot of talk about certain FEMA people being fired. There's investigations going on. The Heritage Oversight Committee, um, which is a group that we work with, is foying a lot of records, um, not just concerning what we're talking about with FEMA, but also regarding the number of missing children. Mm. They know how many children are currently missing still, which is likely means they have perished, but they won't say. I mean, they, they've hidden away their public information officer and, and threatened to throw us in jail for trying to find him. It's incredible. Yeah. Parents got to be anguishing right now in that area. What did you see physically uh, in terms of the devastation there, Tony? Uh, I don't know if I can. I, uh, I lost a friend in Afghanistan a couple of years ago and uh, in an improvised uh, explosive device who it melted his vehicle mm. um, and it was very warped. It was like that multiplied several, several hundreds of times. It was very horrific to see these huge areas cordoned off. Um, but strangely, uh, you had these massive burnout areas next to some houses that looked somewhat untouched. Uh, the fires left across roads, basically went straight up into the ocean. Uh, I think 70 boats burned in the harbor, uh, which is th that's how gusty these winds were to blow flames that far. Wow. It is complete and total devastation. I mean, really, I, for, forget clothing and toy and food drives, which there are a lot of. I, I mean, I would love to see Home Depot just like buy a boat and send over tons of building supplies straight to the beaches of Lahaina because that's the kind of thing they're going to need. And it seemed like there was a real sense of community. Um, maybe is the right word, neighbors helping neighbors, people helping each other out, not really counting on the government to do much, but helping each other out there. You guys know that I'm. when it comes to being proud of a state, there's no state that I'm more proud of than Indiana. I never shut up about it. I'm, I'm a Hoosier through and through. I believe in Hoosier hospitality. Uh, and I think that it's a core part of our state. But when it comes to what I saw in Lahaina, what I saw in Maui, people were giving several thousand dollars out of their own bank account uh, to rent out rooms for people who lost everything to basically just give give it all up just so that other families that they never even met uh, were making ends meet. And by the way, these aren't people who have tons of money in reserve. Right. Uh, they're terrified their businesses are going to go under because Governor Green and Jason Momoa got up in front of everyone the first couple of days and said, cancel all your vacations. So these people are going into ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 worth of debt to help the other people not starve and die of exposure in the meantime. And when I mean die of exposure, I mean there's a lot of ash and asbestos as well as lead paint particles in the air in Lahaina. Yeah. 
uh, it's it's the community on that island it, it i'm not going to say it puts hoosier hospitality to shame but i think indiana would be a very different place if, if we operated like the community on that island i'm hearing a lot of reports that the insurance situation is really squirrely can you just real quick tell us what's happening with insurance companies and fema over in hawaii yeah, so uh, there, there's obviously so many different things going on. I have like 15 investigations open at once. I'm just trying to stay on top of those. As far as insurance companies are concerned, huge props to State Farm. Uh, from what I've heard, State Farm has basically been going up to people who lost everything and just have been telling them, you're just going to get the maximum amount that we can physically give you. Like, with no problem. We're going to get it to you as quickly as possible. Here you go. And that's great. However, if you're working with any kind of insurance company at all, you have any home insurance, and I'm not talking like full coverage, like if, if an insurance company replaced a gutter on one side of your house in the last 10 years, then FEMA will refuse to provide any aid to you. You have to wow. get like all of these exception letters, and it has to be signed by a bunch of people that are way too busy to sign anything for you. And I mean, literally, I, we looked at the, this page of information, FEMA fully rejected coverage to a family without a home because uh, State Farm was uh, paying out of part of their home reimbursement for a hotel room. That's ridiculous. Which, by the way, ended up kicking people out later so that that room could be housed for federal officials. All right, Tony, it's debate night tonight. Uh, we got two options. You can watch Tucker and Donald Trump on you know, Tucker's social media. You could also watch the GOP debate. What are you going to do tonight? What has your attention? What are you looking for? Well, I'm working for the Daily Signal tonight, and I'm going to be clipping a lot of social media clips for people to watch kind of short bits from comments from the debate. I'm going to be watching the Tucker and Trump thing right afterwards because that's not as much live as just the videos being uploaded at that time. I will say what I'm interested in seeing is after the Daily Wire investigation, which revealed that Vivek Ramaswamy is very openly admitted that he's basically only running to keep DeSantis from winning, that's a wild allegation and some of the audio recordings and things that have come out of that are equally wild i kind of want to see what that looks like on debate stage yeah. tonight that is i mean to say that you're basically running to be trump's vp so that you can pull millennials from the desantis vote that is i mean seriously that's for for a gop race man things didn't used to be this way and he's so he, I'm, vivek, I'm vivek, vivek already said he doesn't want to be vp he's 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 been his own boss for like 10 years he said that's not in the cards for him that's that's certainly what he said that's that was his counter to the whole thing so i'm eager to see what gets thrown around tonight because part of me really wants to like vivek part of me thinks that he kind of gives off the used car salesman vibe um part of me really likes DeSantis. part of me thinks his campaign's been just a dumpster fire on wheels i mean that's really what i'm looking for and honestly i'm looking forward to seeing people kind of smack mike pence's foreign policy around because it's atrocious and I'm sure Chris Christie's going to shove his foot in his mouth, which, given his powerful appetite, is not too far <laughs> off. <laughs> he is on Twitter at the Tonus, and check out his work at the Daily Signal. Tony Kennett, great job in Hawaii, my friend, and we'll talk next week. Sounds good, guys. Take care. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.